So uh, I'm excited tonight. I'm going to have John and Suzanne come up. Um, you know, uh, I think it was about a year ago, John and Suzanne were here. Uh, they actually, they run a school in, in Namibia, which is in Africa, for those who may not know that. They also take in orphans, and uh, they, they do a lot of great work. But the greatest thing, I'm really, I'll always be eternally grateful to these guys because I was living in the Pacific Grove, Monterey, California area, and I was running the Monterey Zendo. I was a Zen Buddhist, and you've heard my testimony. I was also really into drugs. Uh, we had lived on a commune together, and we all had, John and I had really long hair. <laughs> what happened, John? Well, I cut mine. What happened yeah, to yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Suzanne was known as Rainbow back there on the commune. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, we had, uh, anyway, it was a wild time. I'm not going to go into that tonight. But, but, I'm, <laughs> but I am very thankful that these guys came by because on their way to India to find their guru in Afghanistan at a Youth with a Mission halfway house, they came to know Jesus. And they came back to uh, Pacific Grove, Monterey area where I was living with, man, they had their gospel guns loaded. And they... They shot me up with the gospel for three hours, but didn't get anywhere because I argued and I thought they were narrow-minded. I thought all, every, every road led to, led to, you know, led to God. And, uh, and so tell them what happened, John. Uh, we were, well, he was just being really stubborn. So I know. I know what you want me to tell <laughs> So I'm going to hit you if you're going to hit me again. And uh, I went and I thought, well, this is, we're just not getting anywhere with this guy. So I... Uh, I thought, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom, and I started doing some spiritual warfare, and then I just flushed the devil down the toilet. <laughs> and, uh, and then went back in, and I don't think it was just a couple minutes later where J.R. said to me, um, he said, and you, you, you don't remember this, but you looked at me and... Uh, I'm afraid to hear what I said. And you said, what must we do then to be saved? You did. I but swear. that's right out of the Bible. Right out of the Bible, and he wasn't even know. reading the Bible. But I was amazed, and so I had no idea what to do. So we just prayed a sinner's prayer with him, and he got saved. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I did. I got saved. He really Thank did. Thank God, because I'd be dead right now if it wasn't if Jesus hadn't come into my life. And many of you heard my testimony. I won't go into detail tonight, but but I'll tell you the interesting thing. John had his first prophetic word. They'd only been saved for about five or six months. And uh, he had his first prophetic word. He said to me, remember, we walked outside. We had a garden out front. And he said, the Lord told me you're going to bear much fruit. Now, you got to understand, I didn't know Christianese. So I thought, I wonder if I'm going to have an orchard or be a fruit farmer. Or, you know, <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. And uh, so I'm very thankful to these guys. So, uh, Suzanne, did you want to say anything? Well, um, this is just Hold one of closer. our favorite times to come up here to see what, what the Lord has done because... Um, it seems just like a few years ago. The time has gone fast, and we have seen a lot of fruit that's been born here. Anyway, Jesus is great. Give these guys a great hand, would you? So I'm going to have John introduce a video, just give you a little bit, show you what they're doing, and then he's going he's gonna to preach a little bit, and he's going to make a pot because he's a potter. And uh, he did a lot of pot in his life, so he's a very good potter. <laughs> Actually, not as much as you. Um, no, I've got one. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're going to show a video. We had um, YWAM does a lot of things around the world. And in Cape Town, 
In South Africa, we have a ministry called Media Village. And these guys have won more TV awards. They just finished a movie that they did recently, and I don't know the name of it or what it's called, but it's like a full Hollywood production. And um, we, we, somebody gave us some money, and so we hired them to come up and shoot a video about Community Hope School. And Community Hope is what we do there in Africa. We've got a bunch of literature with us and uh, some brochures if you want to read all about it. I brought a bunch of brochures, had them overnighted from my printer in Texas. And then we've got a bunch of kids. I've got pictures. The cards that we've got out tonight are of the children from our, our, um, the YWAM preschool. And that's where we take the kids from. And so we've already made this big investment. Two, three years, these kids have been going to preschool. They can speak English now. They, they, they're beginning to learn their letters. And they maybe are learning to, learn, to, love, to love the Lord. And so we take them into our grade one class. And so I've got 20 kids that all need sponsors. They need sponsors of anywhere from 30 to $300 a month. And so if you want to sponsor a kid, grab one of these cards, fill it out, and then uh, you get to keep the picture. And then my, my assistant in Namibia will email you immediately and start talking to you about how you can give and so on and so forth. And so this is a video that we produced a number of years ago to show what we're doing there. And this is the short version. Oh, no, this is the long version tonight. So this is the seven-minute version. So enjoy this because it's a really in sort of an in-depth look. And when this team came up, they came up from Cape Town, I told them, I said, do not, do not, I emailed them this. I said, do not tell the customs people, immigration that you're coming up here to shoot a video. You're coming up to visit me. Do not tell them that you're coming to shoot a video. Of course, they did not do this. They just walked in. They said, oh, we're here to shoot a video. Well, they locked it down. They were going to send them back on the same plane, back to South Africa. And I went in. I got down on my knees and begged this lady. All I was doing was try to stall her long enough until the plane was loaded so that they wouldn't send them back. Anyway, we got them to stay. Um, but while they were there, um, one of the scenes, sort of gross, but a young guy had hung himself in August every year. We have a lot of suicides. And this year, this guy had hung himself. And when his brother heard about it, he went and hung himself too. It was right outside the school. And so there's a shot of that. You probably won't see it. But it's one they talk about crime. And so go ahead and roll it, and uh, let's see how it goes. Our lives are so valuable. All our experiences, everything that affects us, changes us for the better or worse. Pressure shapes and forms our lives. When Suzanne and I first came to Namibia, we wanted to find a way to help serve the families of this community. We wanted to partner with them to help educate their children. We wanted to start a school called Community Hope. 
We wanted to bring hope through education. In the past 14 years, we've seen Namibia grow. And since her independence from South Africa in 1990, the capital city, Vintuk, has become a renewed center of industry and commerce. Yet, as we drive outside of the city, just a few minutes, you'll see that the scars of Namibia's past have not yet been healed. This is Katatura. Many of the students at Community Hope live here. Katatura was an area set aside during the apartheid as a place for black Africans to live and provide cheap labor to the population of Vinsuk. Crime, poverty, unemployment, and disease are issues faced on a daily basis. Katatura means a place I do not live. And sadly, many of the children that live here, the parents have died of AIDS, disease, and poverty. And many are simply been neglected by their parents and live with their elderly grandparents. That's Karen. She's a fourth grader in our school. We've learned a lot from her story. Karen's journey to school takes her two hours, so she starts walking at 5 a.m. every morning. She, like many others, are part of the Community Hope Feeding Scheme, set up to ensure that the children who are not being fed properly at home would at least get some of the food they desperately need. This is also the place that they are nurtured. Take Karen, for example. Her mom was my friend, but nothing I said or did helped her change the choices she made. Karen was only five when her mom died. Absent fathers, broken homes, and physical and emotional abuse are often problems in the lives and emotions of Community Hope students. Through months of counseling, Community Hope has sought to give them the tools to create a better future for themselves. At Community Hope, we lay a spiritual foundation that helps our children know they are valuable. Many are looking toward the future with a new sense of purpose and destiny. I teach the students at Community Hope that they are clay in the potter's hands and that every day God is shaping them to be more like Him. Right now they are soft and pliable, quick to learn, change and grow. What does the Bible say? Okay, we eat out of the bowls, but what can, what can you do if you have a bowl and you have food in it and your neighbor doesn't have any food? What can you do? Yeah? We can feed him. We can give him some of our food, huh? Africa has a need for quality teachers. Community Hope is a place where teachers are trained to be all God wants them to be. We critically need quality teachers. It's lifelong learning. We, 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 sometimes you get this feeling of saying, uh, for most of us, 
we get satisfied with what you get. In other words, you go through teacher training, you get your qualification, you think that's where learning stops. Forgetting that the world in which we live today is a very, very dynamic world where knowledge of yesterday is no more valid today. So you constantly have to validate what you know by improving, adding on every day. Welcome to Community Hope School Teacher Training Program. We want to look at this time as an opportunity for you to lay new foundations in your careers as teachers. That you will learn to value each one of your children as unique in your classroom. I can see already the uh, positive influence because our children, they are different from any other school, simply because they know how to reason. They look at things in a different perspective. We do not just touch the, 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 the intellectual, but we also touch the inside. We building characters. Personally, I see these children as weaker links, because if they do not get the personal attention they get right now, one day they will be a very weak link in, this, in the nation. I believe education is the one way that you can really change the community. These kids will uh, one day have jobs and uh, be able to break the cycle of poverty in the community and I think that's really exciting. And I've really grown a lot just being able to serve these children and work with their families and really see how God is moving in this community. And just to see the joy of the kids when you spend time with them, when you take the time to read with them, to encourage them, this is a safe place for them to come and it's exciting to be a part of that. You can help change the lives of children like Karen and Junior. By sponsoring a child at Community Hope, you become a part of our team. Together, we can make a difference in the lives of Africa's children. With God's grace, much has been accomplished here at Community Hope School. Many lives have been changed for the better. But every day, more children arrive with even greater needs. Community Hope has outgrown their present rented facility. They desperately need their own land, new buildings, and a soccer field. Just as the potter shapes and molds the clay, so we are shaped and molded into vessels. With the gifts of life, we can make a positive difference to those around us and we can play an active role in shaping their future. Help give the children of Katatura a vision for the future. Give them hope through education. take the heavy end. <laughs> All right, just a little forward. That's good. Perfect. Okay, have potter's wheel will travel. 
That was my uh, studio in Africa that was filmed at, that last little bit. And uh, the pottery that we have out on the table was just, just made and finished and fired in the, in the kiln there. And uh, it's always a challenge to get wood in the desert to fire the kiln. So this year there's a cement factory they make bricks near us, and they were getting rid of all their old pallets for the bricks. They had them all stacked up outside. So I took about two days and just did nothing but haul pallets. Then I hired a whole team of guys <laughs> to come and cut them up and break them up and chop them up so that we could use them in the kiln. Firing the kiln, uh, it's an overnight process, and then all day throwing wood into the, into the kiln. And... Uh, it's quite an ordeal. Now I have learned to hire people to help me fire it. Otherwise, um, I end up with <laughs> just getting dehydrated and all sorts of trouble. <laughs> um, had some scriptures tonight in Psalm, Psalms 13. And uh, I don't know if we're going to put them up, if we got them up. Here we go. And uh, there we go. So this is a really great one. I like this. This uh, guy spoke last week. How many of you guys like to complain? You like to complain? You know, I, I read something that complain is actually good for you because it sort of releases stress, you know. But I'm not so sure about that, that if it's good for you. And uh, God didn't like complainers, uh, did he? The ground opened up and swallowed them. David, however, seems to get away with it. Not sure, but listen to this. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? <laughs> it's like, and do you say this to God? I don't know anybody that talks like this to God. And he says, how long will you, uh, let's see, will you hide your face from me? And he goes on. He goes, how long, how long, how long, how long? He says it four times. And I was thinking about this scripture, and um, in Psalms, um, this guy preached on it this last Sunday in La Havre Hills Presbyterian Church, and we were presenting about the school, and he was preaching about it, and he talked about, like, talking about patience, learning to wait on God, and, um, and David ends on a good note, and, but here in, 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 uh, in Isaiah, is it Isaiah? Isaiah 26. It says this, it says, uh, you turn things upside down. Now, this is the same scripture that Paul quotes in Romans 9. Okay, but we're not going to jump in there because all of the theological problems with predestination and all of that. We'll just, we'll just get real simple here. This is like about complaining. It says, how long? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? That thing that made should say of its maker, he did not make me, or the thing formed of him who formed it says, he has no understanding. Like, why did you make me like this, God? And there's just this sense of complaining of this pot saying to God and the clay uh, beginning to argue with God. And of course, I never argue with God. You don't argue with God, I'm sure. Um, but maybe we don't because we're afraid of what would happen to us. That was the great thing about David. He knew God well enough <laughs> that he could just get on really honest terms with God. And I want to thank, where is he back here with the Bible? 
Jim Morgan. Jim. He's the only person in the whole church that had a Bible tonight, a real Bible. I just want to thank you because everybody else had their phones, which have 10 Bibles on them, but it's hard to switch from one part to another. So I got to look them all up, and my phone doesn't have cross-references, so I got to find that scripture. That was the one I was looking for. So here you are, see? And um, the problem is most of us, now, not always, I have some, some, one of the girls that works at my school, her name is Swama, Swama Joshua, Swama Jesus, right? And uh, she's always got a smile, but a lot of us have a frown a lot, you know. And, um, and <laughs> did we get that image of the Southern Cross or not? Whoa, look at there. Now, how many of you have ever actually seen this? This is the Southern Cross. Up here in the Northern Hemisphere, we have the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper, and we have the North Star, you know, and it's like, it's like the still point, and the whole sky rotates around this. But, you know, and Jesus lived in the, nor in the Northern Hemisphere. He didn't live in the Southern Hemisphere. But in the Southern Hemisphere, because Jesus didn't live there, and we didn't, like, get to hear of him until later, uh, God actually put a cross in the sky, and it's in the south. And um, there's two other stars that are down here, and they point at it. They're called the pointers. And if you take, go from the top star to the bottom star straight down, and you take the two pointers, and you take the two pointers are here, and you go a perpendicular right through the middle of it. Where they meet, now there's the pointers, where they meet, where this comes down and this comes down, so down here you won't be able to see it, but it would be right about here is true south, and you can't see it. So this is a great thing. I've never gotten to preach about this because I've always wanted to preach about it, but nobody has video capabilities in Africa, so, you know, they do. But this sort of reminds me of the Trinity, which is really great because you can't see the southern star. It's there but it's not visible to the naked eye. Sort of, sort of like the Father. But look at me. The pointers are pointing at Jesus, the cross. Pointers are like the Holy Spirit. That's his whole job, just to point us at Jesus. This is amazing. This is up there in the sky every night. And where I live, you can see the stars every night. And they point at Jesus, and then Jesus and the Holy Spirit both point to the Father. And it's just a beautiful uh, image of the trilogy. But what they don't show in this great little thing is that over here <laughs> is another bigger cross that's a little crooked. It's called the false cross. And if you're not watching or if this is set early in the evening or hasn't come up yet, you'll look at it and go, oh, look, that's the false cross. But it, it'll, it'll lead you in the wrong direction. And I don't know what it is. Um, what the false cross in your life is, what the, what the issues are in your life, and like what you complain about. For me, I, I get recently, <coughs> I've gotten really angry about some things. And then I start complaining about them. And then I start to feel sorry for myself because all this stuff is happening and I don't have any control over it and it's just, woe is me. 
I'm sure that never, ever happens to any of you, right? See, and I, so I don't know, you know, <coughs> what your false cross is, what you put your hope and your trust in. But <coughs> everything else is pointing at Jesus. And when we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, but let them drift away, we get confused. And a few days ago, my wife and I were praying together, and I was just so upset <coughs> about some things. And uh, she said, well, you just need to repent. <laughs> she, I tell her what, what was wrong, and she goes, you just need to, <coughs> what did you say? Forsake that or rebuke that or something. Anyway, I did. And, uh, and I felt really a lot better. I realized, oh, John, there you go again. Now you're feeling sorry for yourself. And, and we do that, you know. We go, oh, woe is me. You got to wake up in the morning and I look and go, where did my, my sister the other day, I went to see her. And she goes, what happened to your hair? <laughs> she goes, you look weird. You know, I said, no, this is really cool, you know. But um, that's what I look like now, you know. And I can't, like, sit around and worry about it. Um, because it's not about me. What I do in Africa and uh, <coughs> what Suzanne does is not about me. Now, one of the great things that God has done for me recently is my oldest son has moved to Namibia. He's a cardiologist, and he lives next door to me. In fact, he came down the first time I had a heart event. He arrived two days later. He was, like, already on the plane. It was amazing. I went to the cardiologist, the doctor there, and he said, well, we'll have to schedule you for a visit with a cardiologist. He'll be visiting in Namibia in two months. I said, oh, that's okay. I'll fly my own cardiologist over. And he went. So anyway, it was sort of funny. And now he works at the medical school, and he's training doctors, and they just graduated the first class of 35 Namibian doctors. He did his YWAM training many years ago, and he went to medical school, and he went to school for 18 years after high school. I was so glad to get out of high school. <laughs> but he went, and he persevered, and now he's got enough degrees for the rest of the family. It's really great. <laughs> there we go. That's where you're supposed to be, on the wheel. And... Uh, <coughs> Well, that's a big piece of clay. We're going to have to make something big tonight on this little tiny potter's wheel. So <coughs> what we're going to do is um, because, you know, I, I've been in the States for now and for a while in the, the public schools, and uh, I've been trying to get in and speak at the public schools about God, but they won't let me. And so I said, well, what can I talk about? They said, well, you can talk about evolution. I said, oh, okay, well, I can do that. And so I got an art teacher to invite me to her art class, because, like, I'm an artist, right? And I said, so I, I can't talk about God, but I can talk about evolution. Now, I'm, I don't want to offend any of you scientists here, but this didn't just happen, okay? And so to prove that tonight, what we're going to do is this is what I did 
at the art class. I said, so what I did, I put the clay on the wheel, and I said, now what we're going to do, class, is we're going to watch this piece of clay evolve into a pot. I said, now it's a really long lecture, so I'm going to go for a while and get some coffee, and then I'll be back after, you know, in a little while, and we'll see how much it's changed. <laughs> it will change. It's going to get dry, and then it's not going to stick to the wheel anymore, and then it's going to fall off on the floor and break into pieces until somebody comes and sweeps it up and puts it in the trash. That's called entropy. Things don't go from disorder to order. How many, how many of you noticed the bed doesn't make itself and the dishes don't wash themselves? Tell your teenager about entropy. <laughs> See, <coughs> and this is the funny part about that scripture in Isaiah. It says, you know, about the clay saying to the potter, you know, <laughs> who are you to make me? See, God is sovereign and wants to work in your life. And the really interesting thing about the sovereignty of God is that Jesus is Lord over everybody. There's nobody in the world. I don't care how non-Christian you are. It doesn't matter if you have a zendo in your home in Pacific Grove, and you're a Buddhist, and you're actually an atheist, because Buddhists are atheists, right? That's right, we're atheists. And um, that's what I have on my Facebook page when it talks about religion, I put ex-Buddhist, and um, which I thought was pretty funny at the time. Nobody else did. Anyway, God doesn't want to just be Lord over your life. He wants to be Lord in your life. And to do that, you have to ask him into your life. He's not going to do it on without you asking. Now, that's an interesting thing. That's part of God's sovereignty is how he has decided to do it. He's not going to force himself into your life. And so God asks us, and when we say yes to God, he begins to work and to shape, and to put pressure on our lives. <laughs> I say, I'll hold this down here with my foot. I lost the whole table once at a, at a, at a church. The whole thing went, and this, this little piece of uh, plastic that was holding it spun off, and it cut the lady's head off right in the front row, right about where you're sitting. It was terrible. It was in Canada, so they let me go. And uh, I guess one of the questions I've got for all of us tonight is one I keep asking myself is, how much of your life are you going to give to Jesus? Because you've got a choice, you know. How much are you going to give Sunday morning? Well, you guys are really gone for it because you've got a free meal tonight. So I don't know if Wednesday night counts when you feed them. <laughs> but a lot of us just give this little bit to the Lord. And God, God is really happy to get this little bit, you know. He just says, oh, this is great. John, thank you 
for that little bit of your life. <laughs> and he takes it and he begins to shape it and open it up and form it into a pot, you know. And we're just going, wow, God, that's amazing. Look at what you're doing. Because, yeah, making something really beautiful out of your life. And you go, yeah, you are. Boy, this is, this is fun, you know. And uh, and then, you know, we put a little, make a little creamer out of it. Where is it? It's kids up here in the front. What do you think? Is that all God wants? What do you think? Is that God? We just want that little bit of your life. Nah, sure. I mean, you know, he surely wouldn't want, like, when you're at school. Like, because then you, like, ooh, what would everybody think of you? You went, like, said, ooh, I'm a Christian. You know, they go, ooh, you know. And, uh, but God does. He doesn't just want a part of your life. And when we decide, when we go, wow, that's good, you know, we sort of gave God a tryout, you know. <laughs> Say, hey, you did something good with that little part of my life. Maybe I should give him a little more. And God goes, okay, well, you know, we can't do that with this on it. And uh, so, you know, he cuts this part off. And the problem was that this one wouldn't have held any water anyway. It's just, you know, just bits of our life don't do any good. It's got a big hole in the bottom of it. And, uh, but we'll set it there to remind ourselves not just to give part of our lives to God. What is it that we're holding back? What is it in your life that you're, you've reserved, you know, sort of back here, for me. And I don't want to give all of that to God. But God um, doesn't want a little bit. He wants the whole thing. He wants you to be all in. And when we do that, God begins to work in the very center of your life. It begins to go way down deep. And he begins to open things up. I went over here to the rec center, the community rec center today, and bought some clay. And uh, I'm never quite sure what kind of clay they're going to sell me. Because there's like a billion types of clay. And um, some of the times at these places that not like a clay store, <laughs> when they just sell clay, they sell clay that's low-fire clay. And it works fine for low-fire clay. But it's horrible on the potter's wheel. So I don't want something that I've got to be up here and fighting. I don't want to be like the guy in Jeremiah fighting the pot, you know. I wanted something that works. And so I got stuck going in. I went in, and they let me try out a piece. And there was a class going on, and they all gathered around to watch me make pots. And I was, got to witness to all these ladies that were there doing clay. Is anybody here from the class that came tonight? Oh, they said, maybe they'll come someday. But God, in Romans 8, 28, it says that God works all things together, even the bad things, even the hard things, for good to those that love him. And it says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, this is verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined that we would be conformed to the image of his son. 
So God's got a vision and a plan and a goal in your life. And that plan, you know, I always hear, oh, God's got a plan for you. But he really does. His plan is to make you and to build the character of Christ in your life. And that means perseverance through trials and testings and kindness and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and uh, gentleness and self-control. All those fruit of the Spirit. See that J.R. is so fruitful now. Bear much fruit. And so God begins to shape the pot on the wheel. And the great thing about once God gets into the pot, is that he can work from the inside as well as the outside. So no matter what the pressure is that's coming in your life, day by day by day, he's there on the inside to counteract that. So I didn't need to go through counseling and to deal, go to anger management and all of that, which I'm not saying wouldn't be good for me. <laughs> Might be. Um, but the problem was sin in my life, allowing this anger to overwhelm me and to begin to start me complaining and feeling sorry for myself. And that's, that's the sin that so easily besets me. I don't know about you. But that's the one that I have to guard up. And I don't do it a lot, but sometimes if things are piling up on me, I start going, whoa, poor John, you know. And Suzanne is stuck in the car with me. You know, it's not like she can go to school and get away from me while we're traveling, we're on the plane, we're in the car, and I'm driving, and she's stuck sitting there. So she's got an iPod, and she listens to music, her book's on tape, so, or she's texting everybody else, but so she doesn't have to pay attention to me groaning and complaining all the time, you know. Woe is me. <laughs> Which is good, because I'd be pretty sick of me, too. And uh, God is working. And he's shaping. That was just so cool that they put the Southern Cross up so you guys could see it. That was just so neat. Wasn't that fun? You have to come and visit me. You need to bring an outreach team now, JR, and they can all come and see it. Pressure from the outside is met by God on the inside to form a vessel of honor that's sanctified and useful to the master, that's prepared for every good work. That's God's purpose for us. He stretches us out so that we can hold more. If we're not careful here, we're going to have Jeremiah 18 and we have to remake it. Everything can go wrong when you're actually doing something and you're not just talking. There's all sorts of things that can go wrong. One time I came here and I forgot the potter's wheel. Remember that time? I had to go all over. We went to Boulder. Got a potter. I didn't know they had some at the rec center. I had forgotten the clay. The power's gone out. 
All sorts of things can go wrong. And there you have it. Another pot. Oh, no, no, not really. <laughs> I'm not going to cut this one open. It's really ugly on the inside. No. It's too thick. Not really like it. The pottery teacher that taught me pottery used to cut these open for days, for weeks on a time. She'd give me 10 balls of clay, and she'd cut them open. She said, you know what, John? The inside needs to look exactly like the outside. And, you know, that's, that's the truth. God wants, because man looks on the outward appearance. That's why girls dress up and put on makeup. But God looks at the heart. And the inside, the outside should just be a reflection of the character of Christ that he has built in your life. And that's what makes us into vessels of honor that are sanctified, holy, useful to the master and prepared for every good work. It takes time, it takes effort. And you know, with our work in Africa, it's, it's just one day at a time. You learn when you're living in the midst of poverty and despair and tragedy constantly to really focus your eyes on Jesus and not get overwhelmed by the little, by the, by the big things that are happening in the families and the kids and the situations around you. And that's the only way I think Suzanne and I have been able to be there. We've been there 20 years now. And uh, it's amazing to me. Everybody else looks at us and goes, 20 years? I go, yeah, we like it. I've been, we've been there so long my kids are moving over. So <laughs> pray for them as they work with the students. And pray for us as we work with the students there at Community Hope. Thank you. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the money from this pottery goes to me <laughs> that we're selling. Does not go to the school. It goes to Suzanne and I. I know you don't want me to say this, but <laughs> the reason is is because we need to live there to be able to run the school. <laughs> so this is how Suzanne and I help support ourselves. Everybody else from my school goes home and takes off. John goes home and makes pottery so that I can bring it with me. And it's an opportunity for you to share in the ministry that we have there. And for the thousands of people that are drinking their coffee every morning on my coffee cups and praying for John is why the black mambas and the lions and the leopards have not gotten him yet. It's true. And I really believe that. It's that these pots, somebody was telling me the other day, yeah, every morning I drink my coffee out of your cup and I think about you. Well, don't just think about me. Pray about me. Pray for me. And pray for my wife because she has to live with me. <laughs> Give me a great hand, would you? Great job, John. Um, I just want to encourage you to, uh, there'll be buckets in the back if you'd like to give anything. It will go toward the school, actually That's not right. toward them. But that'll go toward the school. And then the pots, he's kind of, he has a weird sense of humor. I've lived with him before. So, but I, that money's going to really help the students to be able to become the kids that God's called them to be. So make sure you check out the table. Why don't you guys go out there so uh, 
so you're out there. And also, if you can put some music on, Alan, or who's ever back there, or Lana. And uh, we'll have some of the ministry teams up here, too, if you'd like prayer for anything. Anyway, I just want to pray over you as you go. Father, I just thank you and praise you for each and every person here. Father, I pray that this week will be a great week. I know uh, we've got a team in Haiti right now that left uh, this morning, early this morning. Uh, we have a team ministering there. We have people, a lot of people are gone because it's, it's spring break, and our school, our Christian school is, is not even, is, is not even, what's that? It's, I'm sorry, fall break, yeah. We, we never had fall break when I was a kid, so it's hard for me to say fall break. We never had that. We just had a spring break. But anyway, it's on fall break. Our school's closed right now, our Christian school, and a lot of people are gone. Our, our, our worship team's gone. A lot of staff is gone. But I'm so glad you were here tonight. So I just bless each and every person, Father. And I ask you, Lord, to let them know that you are the potter, and we're the clay, and we just yield to you because you're a good God, and you're, you're using everything, the bad things, the good things, all the things in our life, so that we might become more like you, Jesus, as we yield to you. We don't want to be obstreperous in your hands. We want to be yielded and, and really that, that clay that you can work with. And in Jesus' name, and everybody in agreement said, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll have some ministry teams up here if anybody would like prayer.